Now, when you saw the title of today's sermon and you thought about it, you probably erroneously thought I was going to talk about the 1996 Bulls, the God team. Um, That'd be God with a small g in that case, not the one I'm thinking of. Hopefully, uh, Michael Jordan makes it onto the God team that I'm talking about because the God team that I'm talking about, we could call it God's team, like a possessive there. Um, We're really talking about the people of God. We're talking about uh, the church. God uses the church to establish his kingdom in the world. We are his outpost. We are the embassy of the kingdom of God. And and the, the church, you folk, us, is critical to that mission. It's absolutely critical. Now, in sports, there's always, uh, there's always that one guy that thinks he's just the superstar. And, you know, maybe, maybe he is, but in most team sports, it still takes the rest of the team. People may disagree with me on this. I know Michael Jordan was like the GOAT and all that, but I don't even think Michael Jordan could have played a team of five guys, you know, one on five, and had much chance of winning, certainly not in the NBA, probably not even a mediocre college team. Uh, that's, that would just be even just that much beyond even the talents of that. So there are limits to any one single person. Do you realize you're limited, Christian? Do you realize you're limited? Do you realize God gave you those limits? You curse those limits. You're like, ah, I wish I could do this or that or the other thing. And you know what? God gave you that. So thank God for those, those limitations. That's why you need the church. Why, that's why we have to be a team. And that's what I want you to see today. I want you to really buy into this idea of God's team, that, that it is a team approach by which God has chosen to, to do his work in the world. It's the team that is the church. And we need all of the people cooperating and part of that. And if we have that mindset, it frees us from all kinds of bad thinking. Yeah, getting, getting too high on herself. You know, how many are that, are that guy where you think you're the Michael Jordan of Grace Community Church and you're just like knocking it out of the park and if these other deadbeats would just come along, you could finally get something done. Anyone there? No. No one's owning that anyway. Right? It frees you from that kind of thing. It also frees you from being depressed about, oh, I'm just no good and I got nothing to add and I don't see how God's ever going to get his work done in this world with people like me. No, it's a team, and we need to buy into that. Now, to get you here, I want you to understand kind of the backdrop of of the people that would have been receiving the letter. This is the early church. This is sort of the wild, wild west. A lot of stuff was happening. A lot of stuff was going on. They didn't have the scripture yet. I mean, they had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament scriptures. They, They knew the apostles, at least some of them, and they knew that there were these other people. But trying to make sense of some of that would have been difficult. Even Theophilus, who was getting, getting this written to him from Luke, would have probably had questions about, well, what, you know, what's, what, who are these people? Like, who's Paul? And where does he stand? Where does he fit with the twelve? We're still asking questions like that today. Or Apollos. I heard about this Apollos guy. He's really incredible. A lot of people over at Corinth think Apollos just hung the moon. And, and then there's all these other people that wander through. You know, you got people that are still followers of John. Who was John? Where does John fit into this? And then there's these no-name brands that come into town saying they're apostles and, and we should follow them. And I think there was a lot of this kind of thing going on to try to understand what it was all about how they should think about it. So that's kind of that's kind of the, 
the group of people that was receiving this and thinking about it. So we're coming at it differently. We're coming in after the fact. We know more about some of these, these leaders and, and, and other so-called leaders, so we can kind of orient ourselves toward it a little bit better. But that's the, that's the backdrop. Team approach. What's the first thing with the team approach? And the first thing that we need to see is that God uses gifted individuals to advance the kingdom. God does use gifted individuals. It happens. There are people like that. Along comes this guy named Apollos. And you may know, how many have heard of Apollos? You're, you've read the Bible enough to where at least you know the name. You're like, what Apollos? What, should, what book did he write? Uh, he didn't. Unless you're going to say he wrote Hebrews, which nobody knows who wrote, wrote Hebrews. But uh, no, I mean, as far as we know, he didn't write any books. He's not even talked about that much. We have a nice little sort of bio of him here in the book of Acts, just this one little tiny section. And then he's mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians. And he's again, just his name's dropped in the book of Titus, and that's it. So that's, that's all there is. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, there he is, a native of Alexandria, which was in North Africa, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, content, uh, competent in the scripture. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though he only knew the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they t- took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So who is this Apollos guy? Now, for us, it's kind of like, um, who is he? For the early church, they knew who he was. Like, they could have picked him out in a lineup. They, they knew ab- about him. But their question would have been more like, where does he fit in? What is he, you know, what's his significance? What's his importance? Apollos was a very, very gifted man. In one sense, you could, you could probably argue that in terms of sort of what we think of as talent, raw talent, he may have exceeded Paul in his talents. He genuinely, just in terms of just basic giftedness, he was an amazing person. Like Paul talks about him in 1 Corinthians, and he kind of implies... Well, you know, some people say they're of Apollos. He almost implies, and with, when you take it with what Luke's saying, that maybe he was the more impressive speaker. Like if you had Paul and Apollos right next to each other, because Paul, Paul diminished himself a lot when it came to talking about his own giftedness at being an eloquent speaker. He's like, I didn't come to you with eloquence. eloquence. Another place he says, ah, you know what they say about me. They say, oh, he's all impressive with his letters. But then when he gets there, he doesn't make much of an impression at all. In contrast, this Apollos guy, I mean, you know, you, you, have you ever heard one of these pastors with the big voice? Just think of someone opposite to me. You know, one of those big, deep, you know, James Kennedy kind of guys or D. James, whatever, you know, the, with a big, big voice. And that's how I picture. Thank you for that. Oh. All right, we got comedians back at the board today. That's, that's, that's good. I like it. So Apollos could do that without the, the, uh, the reverb uh, kind of thing. It, he was eloquent. He was competent. He was fervent. I mean, this is guy, he's bold. He's able to go into the synagogue and teach accurately concerning Christ. When we get to Achaia later in verse 28, it says, He powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So, 
eloquent, knowledgeable, bold, solid, fervent. I mean, can you, can you find any more superlatives that you can attach to one person? So, yes, God does use people like that. And that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's, a, that's a good thing. We need to admit to that. We should be thankful that there are people like that in God's kingdom. Amen? I mean, they make us all sick a little bit. Uh, Dr. Williams was talking about a guy in med school today during our ABF hour. And he's like, he was like good-looking, athletic, had a photographic memory, uh, you know, dated the, the, the cheerleading prom queen, you know, that sort of person. They just had no needs whatsoever. And we, we look at people like that. We, we all go, well, thank God that somebody gave someone all the gifts. Um, no. <laughs> but no, seriously, this is how God works. It, it, it is a team. God has distributed talents and you know this, God is not hung up on the whole equity thing that we're hung up on. God's like, I'm going to give a lot to this person, and I'm going to give less to that person, and I'm just going to give one little thing to that person. And, and God's okay with that. You know why? Because he's God. <laughs> he's like, I'm God, I'll do what I want to do because I'm God. But he's good, he's kind, but one person gets one talent, another person gets five, another person gets ten. And this is how God brings about the work of the kingdom, and we should rejoice in that. There's not, you know, two, if, if you've only got the one thing, you don't feel the pressure. <laughs> yeah? All right. So secondly, God uses less gifted people to advance the gospel. And you're like, yes, now you're singing my song. This is all about me. So here you are. This is you under point number two. Uh, in, in verse 26, we find out that Priscilla and Aquila are still in Corinth. Remember, they had been with Paul there in Corinth and been, been working alongside of him for the two years or so he's there. Well, they catch wind of Apollos' work and his personality, and they go to hear him, and they pull him aside, and they're like, dude, this is Paul's town. You need to pack up and leave because this place, Corinth belongs to Paul and no they didn't say that they didn't say that you know you would have thought I mean they would have been so loyal to Paul because they they were leather workers like him and they had all these things in common that we talked about last time but that's not what happens at all they come alongside of him here's the one uh, problem Apollos was not completely caught up on the program he was good. I mean, it's weird how good he was without being fully informed. And when you try to pick it apart and understand what he knew, what he didn't know, it's, it's really difficult because he was able to preach accurately that Jesus was the Christ. He knew everything there was to know on the one level, but then it says he only knew the baptism of John. It's impossible to say exactly all that he knew. On the one hand, he knew how to teach and speak accurately, but somehow he's missing certain pieces that aren't named. Maybe it was Pentecost. You know, clearly he didn't know about the baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because he only knew the baptism of John. But beyond that, it seemed like he pretty much knew almost everything he needed to know. Maybe he only preached Christ to a point confirming that he was the Christ, but maybe he didn't take it to the point of offering salvation in the gospel. Whatever that was, I, I'm not completely uh, sure. He was talented, he was smart, but he just wasn't caught up. This would be like the person, how many have watched the show Lost? The, all the seasons of Lost? Big Lost fans amongst, amongst us here? That was a weird show. That was just a bizarrely strange show that I think they were just 
taunting and toying with us the whole time. Like after the first couple episodes, they were telling people, I swear to you, it's not purgatory. And then you get to the last season, the last episode, and you're like, it was totally meant to be purgatory. What are you saying to me here? Uh, but it'd be like talking to somebody, you know, you've seen the whole thing, and so you've got a good lay of the land. Somebody's binging it, and they're like, ah, I found this show on, on, on Netflix. It's called Lost. Have you heard of it? Yes, I actually have. Oh, man. And then they start telling you everything about it, and they're really paying attention, and they know a lot of stuff, but you're like, <laughs> you don't know it all yet. All right? It's all going to be made clear when it comes. And they, so they kind of catch him up. Priscilla and Aquila, I hope I, I hope I don't offend them by saying this, um, they're not superstars. They don't, they're not presented as superstars. I mean, they're presented as wonderful, strong, you know, bulwarks, you know, of the church, pillars of the church. They are workhorses, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're not out there making a flashy thing or doing something to get a lot of rain, rain, uh, name recognition. They're foot soldiers in in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so they pull Apollos aside and they gently instruct him. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Of just how they went about doing it. Because they didn't go to one of his, you know, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, buddy. Paul could set you straight here. Yeah, what a bunch of malarkey. They didn't do something like that. They, they waited until he had an off moment and then they pulled him aside. And then they instruct him more fully in the things of the Lord. And Apollos just picked up a bottle of Dom Perignon and threw it across the room and like, how dare you? I'm a superstar. No, he didn't. He didn't. Every, every indication here is, is that Apollos was able to accept it. That he, even though he had all this natural talent and this spiritual giftedness, it just seems like he takes it in stride. He just takes what they say to him and he goes, yes, thank you. I didn't know that. And he adds it into his message. Do you see why I say that we need a team approach if, we, if we're to understand the kingdom of God? This is what honors God. It honors God. Being a team player is a humble thing, but we need to embrace that. God has distributed gifts differently in his body as he sees fit. So the question today, as you think about this for your own personal, you may be Apollos, uh, you may be Aquila and Priscilla, you may be someone else, but wherever you are, Having been equipped, having been gifted by God, are you playing in the team? Are you bringing what you have? Whatever it is, maybe you're the water boy. Maybe you're the team assistant manager. Whatever it is, maybe, maybe you're on the second string. What, have you identified, at least for your own purposes, for your own understanding, what you think your spiritual gifts are? And are you putting them into practice within the church? Because it's a team. We need each other. We need the full team ready to go. Thirdly, this might shock you, God uses women to advance the kingdom. God uses women to advance the kingdom. Aquila and Priscilla are a married couple. I'm going to out Priscilla here. She, her chosen pronouns are she and her. A little humor there, a little humor. Don't get bent on shape. It's a she, okay? Priscilla is a woman, a female. Before I go any further, I want to assure you that I, that I hold to what I believe is a biblical understanding of the church and the home. I, be, I believe that men are to be leaders I'm in the church, that, that pastors and elders are to be men. That's how I read the scripture. That's how I understand Paul. 
Paul lays that out pretty clearly as far as I can see. You look at Jesus who loved women very much, um, yet at the same time he chose men to be his apostles. At the same time, Jesus traveled with women. They were part of the sort of uh, band of, uh, uh, of those that traveled about with him. They supported his ministry. He taught them, which was unusual. Like it, it, You don't expect to have a woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi taking it in and learning, and yet there was Mary just drinking it in, and Jesus was like, no, she gets to be there. You can't just pull her away and make her do housework. She deserves to be here hearing what I have to teach her. He, he revealed himself to women at his resurrection. It was the women who saw him first, and then they're the first preachers. It's like, go, preach, proclaim, tell my disciples that, that I'm risen. Priscilla here, not a pastor. She's not a pastor. She's not up in front of the church, uh, leading the church in, in that kind of public way. However, there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's everything right with the fact that she and her husband pull this great man of God who's going to do incredible things for the Lord, incredible things for the kingdom, that she and her husband pull Apollos aside and they instruct him. They teach him. And I bet if I could have been there, I just have a feeling that, um, you know, Aquila would probably start to say something and Priscilla would be like, wait, 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 wait. Now, you know what? You know what? Here's how. (laughs) I think she was probably pretty bold in the way that she taught. God's team is made up of all the kinds, if, if God made a people, then that people is his people, right? You know what I'm saying? If, you, if, you're, a, if you're a human being, put you into any kind of category that, that you want. You know, golfers, non-golfers, um, women, men, any color, any language group, God uses you. God intends to use all of us as he has distributed gifts and roles within the, within the church. And that's just the end of the story right there. Now, did I answer all your questions about women's role in the church? Probably not. Uh, probably not. But what I want you to hear, lady, ladies, is, is that you're valuable and you are gifted. And God intends to use you in the kingdom just as he intends to use others. All right. God uses the whole church to advance the kingdom. He uses the whole church. So Apollos has been brought up to speed at this point. As far as we know, he wasn't rebaptized, which kind of indicates that he was in his, however far he'd gotten, he was at least to the point where he had entrusted himself to Christ, believed in Christ, and was saved because there's no hint whatsoever. Luke will tell us otherwise when there is. There's no hint that he is rebaptized. He simply takes in the information, adds it to what he knows. And then it says in verse 27, And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. So Achaia. Achaia is that province where Corinth was. So we're assuming, I mean, the best guess here, based on the fact that Paul later mentions Apollos' ministry in Corinth, is that he went to Corinth. But before he goes, before he goes, there's one final intervention on his behalf. Now it's not Aquila and Priscilla taking him aside and teaching him. Who is it now? Did you note who it was? 
the brothers. Thank you, the church. I heard the church because that's, the, yeah, that's my conclusion as well. I think, yes, the brothers, it could mean all of the men in the congregation who were brothers, but I think it's using it more generically to speak about the entire church. How do they come alongside of Apollos, the whole church? There's two ways. First of all, they encourage him. Second of all, they write a letter of recommendation. What kind of a, a encouragement would they have given to Apollos? I mean, he had it all, didn't he? And I'm sure that they came alongside of him and said, dude, you're on the right track. You are, you are eloquent. You are speaking well. You are speaking accurately. We love your heart. We love the way you bring such conviction and, and we're seeing fruit and people are being persuaded. And man, keep up the good work. Keep doing that. They encouraged him. And at the same time, it says they wrote a letter of recommendation. And I think that's really critical to see. Again, we live in a different age. I, maybe things are a little more settled out than they were then, but I can tell you at that time, there were charlatans going around scamming churches. There were people that didn't have letters of recommendation. They would just show up and they'd go, oh yeah, I'm an apostle, and so on and so forth. And, and, and the New Testament warns about people like that. So this letter of recommendation was, was seriously important. It allowed Apollos to make the journey to be received by the church on that. You know, it wasn't like they had the internet. They weren't watching TikTok videos, you know, shot at the synagogue from a little exchange that, that Apollos had with the Jews. And no, it was like he arrived and there he just hands them the letter of recommendation and they know the people that he's being recommended by and they can say, okay, this guy has the goods. Isn't it interesting that even in the early church, things were not just as simple as every man doing what is right in his own eyes? The church works cooperatively. There has, to, there has to be organization to it. There has to be, you know, not just one person going, hey, God told me to do this, and everybody else has to go, well, if God told you that, go ahead. There has to be that, that way in which the church is involved in, in raising people up and confirming them. That's what ordination is about. When you hire a, a pastor, though, you, you look at certain things. You know, is he ordained in our, congrega- in our, in our denomination? Do people know him? Do, are, will people vouch for him? Has he gotten training? Has, does he have a letter of ordination? These sorts of things are the kinds of things that a church still looks for. Who are the people that gave that confirmation by? What were their names? Do you know them? Let me ask you a simpler question. Do you know all the names of the people on the uh, Declaration of Independence? That's much easier, right? How many can name five names on the Declaration of Independence? How many can main, name any more than John Hancock? <laughs> okay, there you go. That's the, uh, we don't even remember that, and we've actually got the names. We don't know anyone that signed it. I mean, Aquila and Priscilla, maybe, could have possibly signed it, and that would be the two names we know. Everyone else has been forgotten by men and remembered by God. Because they, they were just part of the church. They were part of the great whole of the church. Let me ask you two questions in this regard today. Have you been encouraged at grace as a person in this congregation? You who have been here for a while. I mean, if this is your first Sunday, yeah, it's not really going to work. But um, have people come alongside of you and seen you maybe working in Awana and said to you, man, that was really great what you did there? You know, that little girl was really paying attention to what you said. Or, you know, you were connecting. 
Or uh, when, you, you know, when you brought that meal, I know those people were so, they just, it just moved them to tears, the, the, the kindness that you showed in that, or the thing that you offered in that small group when you said this was so. Do you get encouraged? I, I trust that you do. I trust that you do because it's, it's key. We need to encourage one another. And in that same token, the question comes back around in 180, are you encouraging others? You say, well, I, I wasn't given the gift of encouragement. <laughs> well, that is a gift. That is a gift. And you, you, we all recognize somebody that's gifted with encouragement. But that doesn't excuse the rest of it. We're all called as part of the body to be. We, we are the means by which people like Apollos get confirmed. The people that come along and say, yes, I see that in you. I, 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 I see the giftedness that God is using. That's how God builds his team and deploys them. And then finally, God uses the scripture to advance the kingdom. Apollos spoke well, he reasoned well, but it wasn't just his gift of gab. It wasn't just, he wasn't up there just, you know, just throwing stuff out to see what would stick. He was coming at it from the scripture. Verse 28, for he was powerfully, he, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So he's taken him from the Old Testament. And you can imagine, he probably he starts obviously there at the very beginning that God made everyone and he made man. and Adam fell and brought sin to the human race. But even as God was casting him out of the garden, there was this promise of a seed of Eve that would come and, and crush the, the, the serpent's head. And he took him up and he took him to Abraham. And Abraham almost sacrificing Isaac, but God providing the sacrifice. And then, then Moses and the law and the people of God coming into God's promised land, though they rebelled against him over and over and again, he still brings them in and he sets up the kings and he brings David and the covenant with David and, and then the, the expectation, where's, where's the son of David? Where's the, and, he, and then he's, it's Jesus, right? He, takes, um, just, he lays out that Old Testament framework and leads it right to the person of Christ. Now I want you to see something that I think is kind of neat here. Do you like neat things? You like those little neat aha moments in the scripture? I want to show you something here that I think is cool. Look back just 20 verses earlier or so. Verse 5. This is Paul. Paul's at Corinth at this point. So Paul in Corinth, Acts 18.5. It says, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word. So he's preaching the word, right? He's preaching the scripture. Testifying to the Jews that... The Christ was Jesus. Are you on to it yet? All right, that the Christ was Jesus. Verse 28. What is Apollos telling them when he gets to Corinth? So Paul was at Corinth telling them that the Christ was Jesus. Now Apollos is in Corinth. He's telling them what? That the Christ is Jesus. Yeah. Now this is the interesting thing. There is no other place in the Bible that uses that phrase. That interesting. There's different phrases. I mean, we have we have we have portions and things where Jesus is the Christ and 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 so forth. But this phrase, the Christ is Jesus, only occurs here in Acts 18. Both refer to um, the preaching in Corinth. One is from Paul. One is from Apollos. Now, what do you think Luke's doing there? What do you think the Holy Spirit is is saying to us? I think he's saying it's not about the man. 
I mean, it is in one sense because, yes, as we acknowledge, God uses gifted men. But ultimately, they're gifted not, not so much because of their own you know, booming voice or eloquence or whatever it might be. It's the fact that they know the Scriptures and that they can preach that same gospel message that the Christ is Jesus. Isn't that cool? I, I don't know. I, that jumped out at me, and I thought that was really, really cool. Now, in the church today, do we have Apollos's? Yes. Yes, we do. We have men like Kevin DeYoung and Tim Keller and John Piper and just the D.A. Carson, Sinclair Ferguson. You can name whatever guy you really, you know, really love and you, and you hang on their every word. There's a lot of people like that, and God uses them. And they are very, you know, they're, they're like, in themselves, it seems like they could almost carry the whole kingdom of God. But they can't. They're one person. They're one extremely gifted person, and God will use them. But ultimately, it's about the whole church. It's about all of us. It's about this team. God has seen fit to pour out his spirit and this giftedness into broken vessels, broken clay vessels, so that the treasure of Christ and the gospel would just shine through us. That's the church. That's you. That's me. That's us together. It's not one particularly most gifted person. It's the whole enchilada. It's all of us. We need to buy into that approach because that is how, that's how God's chosen to work. I mean, he could have done it through one person here and there. Could have left the rest of us off the hook. How many would like that? Hey, I just want to be a fly on the wall. I don't want to do anything. I think there's a lot of Christians that have signed up for that plan. We have never offered that plan to anyone, but people keep signing up for it anyway. <laughs> Did somebody grandfather a bunch of people into that plan that we didn't know about? Um, no, God wants his whole people, his whole church involved. So embrace the team approach. Maybe you are the great talent. I don't know. Who knows? But maybe you're the water boy. God can use you. Are you a woman? God can use you. Are you somebody that's just part of the unnamed masses of brothers? God can use you. That's the idea. It's, we, we need to lay hold of this. There is joy in that. There is a great freedom and relief in that. But at the same time, there's also like an encouragement to, to, to engage. You know, like if you're a little bit fearful, but you realize it's not all about me. It's, you've, you've, you've coached kids and playing basketball, and if, if that one kid's kind of out there that, you, you know, okay, you can't lose the game, we're 20 points ahead, and you put him in, that's a great feeling of relief, isn't it? Like, oh, I get to go out there and stand on the floor and, and watch the ball fly past me. And, uh, and then we won, yeah? Well, it's us, because that's, that's how being on a team is and, and, that, and that is how God has chosen to work. If you're not a Christian today, we don't end a sermon here without giving you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. This gospel we've been talking about that Apollos got, you know, maybe you're kind of like Apollos. Maybe you're, maybe you're very gifted and maybe you're almost there, but, but there's just some things, some coins that have not dropped. 
Maybe today you'll understand that, that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ is Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and on through being, being promised. He has come. He has died on a cross for sinners. He was laid to, to, to rest in a tomb, and on the third day he rose powerfully from the grave, bringing us the forgiveness of sins, justification. Atoning sacrifice. There's so many ways of describing what Jesus accomplished. But ultimately, it is that you may come into union with him. Union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That you might live eternally in their their fellowship and their presence. We offer that to you today. The response is repentance and faith. You turn from the way you're going and you look to Jesus Christ. You put your trust in him. And you'll be saved. And you know what he'll expect at that point? You can kind of see this coming, I hope. He's going to be part of a team. He's going to bring you onto his team. The church is his team. So whether it's this church or a church across town or wherever you may be located, you need to be part of the people of God. You need to be part of the church. Let's pray. Father, it's an exciting thing to realize when we really get a hold of it that we don't have to carry the ball um, for all four um, quarters or whatever the case may be, Lord, that we, that we are um, part of a team and we can rely on others. And, Lord, we can, we can be the most gifted and, and we can still rely on others or we can be the least gifted and still be called part of the team. We thank you. And Lord, show, show us, show us where we may tie in with that. Some people have hid their, uh, their talent under a bushel, their, their, their light, and they need to bring it out. And we pray that you'd give them the courage to do that. And uh, others of us uh, maybe need to come to grips with the fact that we're not everything and that we need to share, we need to, to depend on others and encourage others. So give us, give us your wisdom and your approach to that, and, uh, and we will trust you for it. And today, Lord, we pray that, that you would bring many more onto your team. Help us to be Aquilas and Priscillas that can come alongside and encourage and strengthen and, uh, and witness. And we pray that in this way, Lord, you might continue to build your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.